Hello, everybody. Oh, we are back once again. This yep. is Michael. This is Ashley. And we are um, about a dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what we're all about. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, any new business, old business, that sort of shenanigans? Um, it's really friggin' hot out. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I couldn't take Deku and Rosie because, I mean, they're puppies, so you naturally mm-hmm. have to take them out on multiple occasions. And I couldn't take Deku and Rosie out for their afternoon, um, you know, potty break at, like, three because I felt it was just too hot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what? I mean, hell, when they went out at, like, 1030, it was still bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I know it's not as hot as, like... Uh, the Pacific Northwest and all yeah. of that. Oh, that's crazy. That's probably an oven at this point. Getting <clears throat> yeah. Um, trying to think of any other. So do try to stay cool. Yes, please. Stay cool. Keep your, you stay cool. Yeah. Keep your dogs cool. Keep your dogs cool. And remember the um, five second rule for pavement. If you, put, if you cannot put your palm mm-hmm. on the sidewalk or asphalt or whatever... For five seconds mm-hmm. and keep it there without getting painful. Right. Then your dog needs some form of foot protection. Yeah. Um, in this case, with this level of heat, they would need to have some form of booties on to protect them. And I can imagine that in New York, but you know. Yeah, I mean here they're running around in mostly grass. Yeah. It would be an, it would become an issue like if I needed to take Raven out. To do some service dog work, then it would become an issue. Yeah. Um, we also use, again, not a sponsorship, but if they want to send us some free hey, pubs, bring it on. Absolutely, we welcome any and all potential sponsorship. Um, we use Musher Secret during the summer, mm. and what that is, it's a, it's a wax seal that you put on their feet, and it's really good for service dogs. Because when you put that on their feet, it actually gives them a little bit more grip, especially on like tile floors and things like that, where they're were taught, you know, keep keep their nails short. Yeah. But then when they're trying to flex and use those nails for grip, mm-hmm. that tile is not allowing them to do so. So this will actually prevent them from gripping and, and walking weird on the tile and all of that. Well, we aren't endorsed by these particular manufacturers. Um, feel free to go ahead and partake. Yes, please. I mean, we wish we could like tell them that it, you know you heard it from us, but whatever. You know, yeah, whatever. F- free advertising, free advertising. <laughs> take it. Um, anything else? We don't have any corrections or anything? Do we have to? From no, 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 I don't think so. Um, okay. things have been pretty quiet. You know, we've just been. Doing our day jobs, as it were. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's all of our new business. and New business, old business, that sort of thing. So, uh, okay, now we can get into the meat and potatoes of the matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we talking about today? So, we are back into our regular mm. stream of breed versus topic, rare breed versus common breed, whatever. So, yeah. several episodes ago... <laughs> Pre Westminster, yeah, um, nonsense with Haley. Yeah, we covered the Carilion Bear Dog. Okay, and now 
This Carilion Bear Dog, they are a rare breed. They're foundation stock mm-hmm. service breed. So, based on that pattern... I'm trying to avoid the Star Wars reference. Go ahead. We are going to a popular breed. Oh, boy. I can see the mail coming now. What, what breed are we doing? Brussels Griffon. Okay. I think it's one of the few toy breeds that we've covered. Mm-hmm. If not one of the first toy breeds that we've covered. Um, you talked about this before? I thought we had. No, we haven't. So, I think oh, it's yeah. one of the... Few toy breeds that we've done, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I'm actually going to look it up right now because <laughs> I'm I'm a little curious myself. Because I could have sworn you said that we've covered, so immediately I'm wondering. Okay, did we talk about this? No, we haven't talked about this breed, but okay, good. We of course we haven't, otherwise we wouldn't be going over it. Well, true, but at the same time, you know, my memory ain't the best. Yeah. Um, so I'm going through everything that we've done. Most professionals would already have this information. Oh, you know what? Shut up. Shut up. Well, no, it's not a reflection on you by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a reflection on both of us as a, as a podcast, basically. Yeah, so the only... The list. The, well, we do, but, you know, different computers and shit happen. Oh, yeah. Upgrade. Yay! Woo! Um, the only toy breed that we've covered mm-hmm. was way back... In season one, episode three. Okay. And it was the Papillon. Uh, butterfly. So this is going to be our next one, and it's the Brussels Griffon. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my sources right up front. The American Brus- American Brussels Griffon Association, AKC website, FCI website, and a little bit from Wikipedia. I hate doing that, but I had to find something that wasn't on the American Brussels Griffon Association website, so... These are our sources. Mm -hmm. We are citing them early and up front so that you're aware of where we get our information, as usual. When we have information, this is where we get it from. If you have further information you wish to include, please feel free to send it through the email. The podcast email. email, To be clear. Information will be at the end. And then cite your sources, please. Yes, because if we got something wrong, tell us. Yeah, we welcome um, a healthy uh, conversation and sharing of knowledge. Yep, that's essentially why we're doing this podcast in the first place. Yep. So this breed, the Brussels Griffon, Mm -hmm. is a small and feisty breed that originally start was started by the custom of urban stables. Okay. I know it sounds weird now, but during, like, pre-automobile days, horses were the main form of travel. Right. And so they would keep these horses in stables in cities. Okay, so just so I have something in my head already, mm-hmm. um, where, where are we, you know, globally at this point? We're in Belgium. We're in the okay. city of Brussels. Hence, okay. Hence the name. I, see, I wasn't going to make that assumption, first of all. Yeah. It says Brussels. I need to think of Belgium. Yeah. You know. We're in Belgium. Okay. This is, this is one of the few still existing Belgian breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, the original breed looked kind of like an Affen Pincher, and they were called Griffons de Ecturie. I do not speak French. Do not come at me with my uh, pronunciations and shit. Yeah, she doesn't play that in Duolingo. Uh, no, I don't. And I don't have any intention to. Which translates to wire-coated stable dogs. Oh, 
And the development of this of the Brussels Griffon was using those that original breed and crossing them to, with pugs and English toy terriers, mm-hmm. and doing so, they kind of created this breed that is both a companion, mm-hmm. but a ratter that's designed to go out into these stables. Mm-hmm. And take care of the mice and vermin and still be a companion. Okay. But with the addition of pugs and English toy spaniels, they created this dog with a very distinctive pout. Mm -hmm. And since they came from a wire-coated breed, they also have, with the addition of the pug into that line... Mm -hmm. Of development they have a smooth coated variety so there is a smooth coat and a wire coat and they both have this very distinctive pout and it's a breed defining thing and if you look at them just right they kind of look like a grumpy old man are they in so basically what you're saying they're in a perpetual state of pouting yes they're pout, in pouting pouting they are the original as sad face oh no it's pouting you said you're gonna pout about it oh but if you look behind their eyes, yeah. hides like this terrier spirit behind them. Oh, yeah. And because they're originally bred to be routers, mm-hmm. that terrierness just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. And the breed has many names. Yeah. There's the Brussels Griffon, Griffon Bruxelles Law, Petit Babacon. And Griffon Belge. Or Belge. Whatever. Again, if we mispronounce, do not. French, not my know. thing. Yeah, yeah. And in the US, they are combined to just Brussels Griffon. Yeah. But there are the Griffon Bruxellois are like. So I've heard that they're red, and then the Belge are black and tan or black, and the Petit. Brabacon are the smooth coated. I might have gotten the Brusella and the Bellas mixed, but there's the main Sorry, difference. Advanced. Yeah, the main difference is color and the coat type. But the function still remains. Yes, the breed is identical. Okay. Except for color and the type of coat. And by the late, late 1880s, this breed had a breed club in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it had a breed club in general. Yeah. And was favored by the royal family in Belgium. Okay. In 1899, Brussels Griffon were first accepted into the AKC stud book and shown at Westminster in the miscellaneous class. I saw that. I did a head tilt and went, huh? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that Westminster actually used to have Mm -hmm. a miscellaneous group? Yes. As in, I mean, granted, it wasn't the pomp and circumstance that it is today. But they used to. Yeah, they used to. So that particular miscellaneous class would be amongst all the other groups and would compete Mm -mm. at the end or no? Or just have their own best in show? They would just have their own best in show. Okay. So, to those at Westminster and Morrison Essex and all of that shit that say, oh, we're trying to keep it, you know, to the original wants and needs. that? You know, the original want, the, the original ask of 
the miscellaneous class was to bring in new breeds mm -hmm. and to showcase the new and upcoming breeds that are gaining in popularity. Yeah. So Westminster, Morrison Essex, host a fucking open show, please, <laughs> because they are uncategorically against it because they say it goes against the history well that kind of, that statement itself contradicts the history exactly because if they actually had they did that in the past mm -hmm. then they're not honoring their history and their heritage correct and they're also used to be best brace and show and i think maybe even no it was brace where they would have two dogs side by side competing yeah. against one another and that class is still offered in FCI shows. Best team is offered in FCI shows, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. Yeah. And there's like between four and six dogs. All of the people come in dressed like identical, and then they have their dogs, and they're all showing at the same time. Oh, it's <laughs> gorgeous. Um, you were having smiley face flashbacks, weren't you? Yeah. But this breed was then fully admitted into... AKC uh, recognition in 1900. Mm. Now, we're going to get to a theme that's very, 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 very common here, and that is after World War One and Two. World Wars happened, yeah. Here we go. And especially in Belgium, because World War One was heavily fought there, World War Two was heavily fought there. Mm. There were almost zero native Brussels Griffon left in Belgium after 1945 and it was due to dedicated breeders in the UK and in the US that the breed still exists today kudos for that mm -hmm. and for, to have a breed like that and the population decimated it's traumatic and it takes a lot of clever breeding to keep up that sturdy, sturdy appearance hardy work ethic and that they're still healthy and can and look basically the same, right. unchanged. And the U.S. club did a very smart thing. Mm -hmm. And instead of keeping the three names based on color and coat type as separate varieties or separate breeds, they combined them into one mm -hmm. and keeping the Brussels Griffon there yeah and this is you know one of those things where this club made the right call at the right time mm -hmm. so that they can focus on having a genetically diverse popu population mm -hmm. because the true differences here with this breed color and coat type are very easy traits to fix as opposed to head structure, eye structure, various breed-defining traits that are really, really, really hard to do and hard to duplicate. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to the coat color and the coat type, we know now, we know what genes control those, we know how to intermingle those and get the best and most genetic diversity possible which is great that they did this in the 1950s. Right. Which is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. 
Now this breed has never truly been popular because people have always seen them as either a pet of the royalty and therefore have an elitist connotation or realize that they are a true hardy working dog and kind of just suck to more popular toy breeds. It's usually what it goes, I've noticed in these particular type of canine histories, is that they're either revered by royals or mm-hmm. um, the common you know folk have the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, just, it's just very, I mean, I'm, I go into this every time when it's a particular breed, and I think, okay, who had it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which class was the one responsible for it, or, or having it the most, I guess, would be a better way to phrase it. Yeah, and in this situation, it's kind of a combination of both. Mm. But as the as the years went by, people really didn't, you know, breed them heavily. They didn't get huge, massive populations and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty uncommon and relatively rare until one thing happened. What was that? They were featured in a movie. Oh God! This can you name uh, the movie? Uh, well, wait a minute. Are we actually in the talkies now? Because oh, we're, we're, we were we were last week. I heard we were in nineteen forty-five. So but we're jumping all the way to the nineties and early two thousands here. Okay, all right. So Jack Nicholson. Oh God, as good as it gets. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. That 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 poor little dog. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now I do want to just double check on something that was for the record as good as it gets was not a very pc movie unless i'm mistaken it's greg kinnear kuba gooding jr helen hunt jack nicholson in the title role i'm trying to think i think i think that's it Mm. i can't remember it's been so long since i've seen it well my folks have it which will you know the first tirade at the beginning of the film that makes perfect sense now Mm-hmm. But uh, if, by the way, if you wish to see this particular tarry, go ahead and YouTube it. Because mm-hmm. I, number one, don't know it by heart. Number two, I don't think the same way as this character, so I'm not going to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So. so there's also a little thing that you might like about this breed, Michael. What would that be? Being, well, you mentioned terriers, so that's yeah. kind of up my street. Oh, this is even better. What? You know Ewoks? Star Wars, all that? Yeah, there's some debate among fans over whether or not they are a good or a bad thing. I mean, first of all, how did those particular creatures manage to, you know, figure out, you know, clothing while at the same time did the whole, you know, logs and things mm-hmm. falling into the bad guys and stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Are you asking my personal opinion about the Ewoks, or you just tell me something? I'm just telling you something. Tell me something. The inspiration for Ewoks was a wire-haired Brussels Griffon. Chewy was actually, I think, inspired by a dog I think George Lucas had. Mm-hmm. Well, Chewy, I think, inspired, was a, an Alaskan Malamute. Yeah. And Ewoks were a breed, like, the Ewoks were dis, were developed by George Lu- Lucas based on a Brussels Griffon that he had. Wow. So, there's a little bit of Star Wars history with this breed, a little bit of pop culture going on here. Nice. 
And when you look at an Ewok and they've got all that... Oh, God, yeah, I see it. Yeah, you see it now. Yeah, especially in the baby Ewoks, yeah. And they kind of look like a grumpy old man and they have this stern little face on, yeah. but yet they're still cute because they got the buggy little eyes. I, I, I want the dogs now to go, yum, yum! Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of things that the Ewoks say, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this breed was the inspiration for the cute Ewoks. Okay, let's throw this pop culture boomerang back at you then. Mm-hmm. Can you name, I mean, obviously you know what actor I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. But can you name the character that he played, and this is the same actor that would go on to play Professor Flitwick. Shit! In, in Harry Potter. I can't. I cannot remember his character's name in Star Wars, and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God! Now it's, like, it's what like, is this actor's name? Oh God! Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Warwick Davis. Yeah. Um, if I could give you a clue, but it would involve cricket. Mm-hmm. Or or what's that other one that you shoot balls through these tiny little hoops? Croquet. Yeah, or croquet. Yeah. What? Wicket. Oh, Wicket! Aww. <laughs> and oddly enough, Wicket is a dog terminology and a horse terminology, too. It's probably a good thing, considering we're ta- supposed to be about a dog and we've, yeah. we've gone off topic. Yeah, a Wicket is something where you measure a dog or a horse's height, and I think other livestock as well, mm. height at the point of their shoulder blade. Mm. Um, and breed standards, certain breed standards, will call for a wicket if you feel that the breed is over or under and it can be a disqualifying thing like yeah. with our breed with hamilton's over and under are disqualifying faults i will say one thing in regards to the ewoks and i'll let it go um i have no problem with them honestly they okay. basically got the job done a lot of people think that they're um just an excuse to be a furry or something like that the movie paul actually Explores oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think because uh, uh, what Nick Frost has, yeah. has a thing about Ewoks. Yeah, his character hooks up with one at Comic Con or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But long story short, they got the job done and helped Han and Leia. So mm-hmm. I have no problem. Now back on topic. Yep, back on topic. And I know I've said the word small and compact dog, but that's what they are. Are we talking like fit in your purse type thing? Like, there are toy breeds. So toy breeds yeah. are basically tiny little dogs. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this breed, along with the notoriety from As Good As, as, good as It Gets, mm-hmm. also more people wanted them in the late 90s and early 2000s because there was a toy dog explosion. I think we covered this on a previous episode about, you know, dogs as fashion statements and things like that. Yeah, I remember this. When toy dogs were starting to be used as props on the red carpet, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to get... It becomes a hot commodity. Yeah. And Brussels Griffons kind of saw that go up mm-hmm. a little bit, but not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, as with any movie that features a dog breed... The popularity and the awareness goes up. Turner, Hooch, Turner, um, yeah. Beethoven, um, one hundred one Dalmatians, one hundred one Dalmatians, yeah. Um, shoot, Homeward Bound, yeah, Homeward Bound. Uh, as good as it gets. Milo and Otis, technically considering mm-hmm. one of the characters is a dog. Uh, Benji. God, Benji. Ugh. Rin Tin Tin. Lassie. Lassie. 
all of these movies feature or television shows. Yeah, or television shows. Yeah, because we did go to TV. Yeah, with Lassie and Rintintin. Yeah, and Rintintin. Yeah. Um, they have dogs in them, and people the population the popularity of that particular breed. So, like with Lassie, Rough Collie started to gain in popularity at the height of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Rintintin really got the public awareness for German Shepherds. Um, Sinbad made a joke not too long ago during one of his stand-ups talking about how he, I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, it wouldn't surprise me if I didn't, how because of the omen, mm-hmm. they wanted that particular type of dog. Oh, why? To train him is what the joke was. Okay. But I mean, so, but then you also have St. Bernard's that have the Cujo. Oh, Christ. And Beethoven. Pet, pet cemetery. Here we go. Yeah. So, you know, you've got... A wide got, array. Yeah, you've got a wide array. But with Brussels Griffon, the It movie that kind of made people be aware of what the breed was, how they looked, and all of that, was as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare the look of that dog in uh-huh. As Good As It Gets versus yeah. a show dog, they look totally different because they're groomed differently. Of course. Because they're kept, like, the as good as it gets dog is kept kind of pet-ish mm-hmm. versus the show where they're, there's more hand stripping and grooming involved. And this breed, though, they're hardy, they're sturdy. Mm-hmm. And I friggin' love the American Brussels Griffon Association's illustrated, illustrated breed standard mm-hmm. because it states the following regarding the temperament. He carries himself with great confidence, convinced that he deserves to be the center of attention. (laughs) So that tells you everything you need to know about the temperament of this breed. It's just this, owns the ground that they walk on, want to be the it dog that says, hey, look at me. I am a badass. It is me. Mm -hmm. And that harkens back to some of that terrier ancestry too, because a lot of terriers have that you know, oomph behind them where they just were like, it's all about me! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. Focus on me. Yeah. It's a very, that's a terrier quality. Mm-hmm. Which you probably already mentioned. Yes. And because this breed was a ratter by nature, it has that w- little working dog attitude. I'm really trying not to think about a rap group right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing rat terriers rapping about, you know, <laughs> total dad joke. And, you know, with the history of what it's bred to do, mm-hmm. they are a traditionally docked tail and cropped ears. Mm-hmm. And knowing that they were originally bred to both be a companion and to help out with the vermin problem in the stables. Right. What's in a lot of stables? Other than horses. Well, I don't think you keep pigs in there, do you? No, I'm, I'm talking about the equipment, the, the things, oh, like, like, in and uh, around that... You're talking, like, uh, the tractor, the... Well... The, just basically what you do to basically get the, the work done. Yeah, and also along, like, the bedding is... Hay or straw. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what they're doing. They're maneuvering through all of that or on top of that Mm -hmm. to get at the vermin. 
And the point of a dock tail is to get them out of trouble. And to find the dog and to pick it up by its butt. Yeah, pick it up a little bit by its tail just to jerk it out of, the, out of trouble. But also, mm-hmm. it prevents tail injuries because sometimes if you corner a rat, they're going to go after whatever they can find. Yeah. And Same is true with any corner animal. Yeah. <clears throat> and with the ears, same principle. Mm-hmm. If the ears are straight up and not floppy, yeah. then it's less of a target for a rat to try and get or injuries and things like that because ear injuries bleed like a fucking stuck stuck pig. Same with tail injuries. We've yes. actually come across that on multiple occasions. But due to legislation, whether it's correct or not, that's up for your interpretation. interpretation. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say I am in support of people's choice to safely dock their dog's tails and crop their ears as long as it's done by a licensed veterinary professional with appropriate pain medication on board. Not a particular um, vet with like an eye patch and just swinging the blade going yeehaw. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't recommend recklessness. No, and we do not want any dogs to be in undue pain or unnecessary pain but if it is done by a licensed veterinarian that knows what they're doing and can make sure that these dogs even as young puppies are not going to suffer yeah with a minimum of stress yep then that's all that matters right so if you're not fond of crop doc you know whatever that's your prerogative that's your opinion you can have them Whatever you, you, you do, you okay. It's the thing that you do, and this is what we do. Yeah, it's pure and simple. Uh, mm-hmm. We have open minds, mm-hmm. and not to mention you have a wellspring of knowledge in regards to this sort of thing. So I, I bow to that greater wisdom in this regard. Yeah, and I know that things are changing, and views are changing, and, and legislation as yeah. most things are. They're yeah. fluid. And legislation is changing, and a lot of places, especially in Europe, you cannot crop and dock. Mm. You just, it is illegal. Interesting. And it's becoming that way, kind of, in Canada. Um, but it is legal in the U.S. As long as it's done by a licensed vet, that's all we care about. Mm. And that the dogs are not harmed by it. Yeah, no stress. Now, I know this breed also has another trait that a lot of people, it ruffles a lot of feathers and what have you. They are what is known as brachiocephalic. Heard the term before. So brachiocephalic basically means that they have a short, smushed-in face. Mm -hmm. And some brachiocephalic breeds tend to have more problems than others. Mm -hmm. Brussels Griffons do not, traditionally. They do not have the overheating issues that some of them can have. They generally don't have the breathing issues that some breeds like Bulldogs and Frenchies and Pugs have. Mm -hmm. They tend to have less problems. But if you were to look at their face and a correct Brussels Griffon face, their face is flatter in many cases than a bulldog or a Frenchie or even a pug. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, their breathing issues tend to be a lot 
lower. Hmm. Don't really know why. Yeah. But that's how it is. They can have another issue that is known within toy breeds, and it has to do with the big eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not as prevalent with other as as in like Chihuahuas and Pugs, where the big eyes, in some cases, if you breed for that trait to be too much, mm-hmm. then the eyeballs can actually pop out of the orbit. Mm-hmm. spontaneously and then it becomes a medical emergency to get the eyeball back in the socket right which should only be done be it human or vet by a medical professional correct and the way that this breed is their expression is def- defined as human like so when you look at them you're supposed to get that feeling of oh my god this looks like a grumpy old man mm-hmm. That's correct. That's what they're supposed to look like. And with that, they they are, oddly enough, one of the most versatile toy breeds Mm -hmm. out there. They can do it all. They can do agility, um, probably dock diving. Um, They can do rally lure coursing obedience anything that comes their way Mm -hmm. they would be great at more than likely they would probably be kick ass barn hunt dogs because that's what they were bred to do originally Mm -hmm. so it may come really 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 easy to them um and like modern day brussels griffons you'll see them in pet homes Mm-hmm. You'll also see them in the show ring. And in the show ring, they tend to be kind of the reddish color mm-hmm. more often than not. And whether it's smooth or wire, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but the colors that are accepted mm-hmm. are all solid colors. They can't have any white on them. Right. Except as they age on their muzzle and above their eyebrows as part of the normal aging process. Right, everybody goes gray at some point. Yeah, so they um, can be red, they can be black and tan, like black saddled with tan, mm-hmm. they can be solid black, and all of that is with wire coat or with smooth coat. Mm-hmm. That's it. So you shouldn't, if you see someone saying, oh, rare Brussels Griffon color. Yeah. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's just not. Or they're not purebred. And there are mixes thrown in there. Um, in terms of, like, show dogs, they're becoming more recognized thanks to... There was one that was showing... It was a smooth that was showing a few years ago. And I honestly can't remember his call name, but I can remember his register name. It's... Celine's Masquerade. He was a smooth, and he was a red smooth. Celine like our Celine, or no. Celine like the Toronto, the, the Canada singer. Canada singer. Okay. And can't remember his name, but he was showing, I think, in the early to, no mid to late two thousands, and I think may have even won a group at Westminster. I think, but he was a. 
English-born dog that had an ear injury as a puppy, and they brought him over to the U.S. because he could get his ears cropped. Hmm. Whereas in the U.K., he wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, I think that's what his name was. I couldn't tell you. I, I can't find anything in regards to my particular search, but I did come across something else if you're interested. Hmm. Well, I brought up uh, the IMDb in regards to As Good As It Gets. Um, the dog that was more recognizable as being having played Verdell in that film is known as Jill the dog. Oh, Jill. That was Jill, her name? Jill the dog, yeah. Uh, it says uh, the IMDb, and I'm quoting this directly, <clears throat> Jill the dog is an actress. No, it was as good as it gets, 1997, in Carolina in 2003. There's even some information from uh, National Purebred Dog Day. But, riddle me this, young lady. What regular on-house was an extra in As Good As It Gets? I have no idea. Oh, come on. Take a scientific wild-ass guess. As an extra? Uh... I'll, this narrows the field down for you. It says woman at table. Was it... Oh, God. Was it Cuddy? Dang. Oh, damn, look at me! Yeah. Lisa Edelsteinstein, I'm not sure. Um, she was in it as woman at table. So was uh, apparently Maya Rudolph. Um, and unfortunately, the late, great Harold Ramis had a very big role. Mm-hmm. He was the, the doctor that uh, was basically the doctor of Helen Hunt's dreams in that movie. So, yeah. But hopefully that wasn't heard. But if mm-hmm. it was, that was Deku. It's mm-hmm. getting... Actually, no, it's not even close to his time to go out again. No, it's not. Still. Um, so I just found the dog that I fell head over heels in love with. Yeah. Um, his name was Lincoln. Was his Lincoln call was name. name. And I found a write-up by one of my favorite people in the world who mm-hmm. was sadly... No longer with us. Dr. Bob. Ah, Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob put this dog up as best in show. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he j- he fell in love with him because, I mean, this dog was perfection. And I think was in, like, the top ten of all breeds for a time in, when was it? 2007? Oh, wow. Is when he was campaigning. And... I, th- I think he um, he ended up winning the um, toy group mm. at Westminster in like 2007, 2008, something like that. That would make sense. Um, but man, that, that little dog mm-hmm. had heart and fire in his pants because he was just had it in him and he was just strutting around like oh my god I'm the shit I'm the shit I'm the shit if you have heart if you have heart I get it but if you have fire in your pants stop eating the taco (laughs) (laughs) find a bathroom sorry that's I'm making light of your statement I know Mm -hmm. but still it's an obvious shot yeah um so now oh hmm We've come to the wonderful question. You tried to po- you tried you posed it to me, I think, last time. So yes. I think it's my turn. Yep. You own one. Hell yes. In a heartbeat. Really? In a heartbeat. The 
this is one of the few toy breeds that I would actually own. Mm-hmm. And it's primarily because they're so sturdy. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not like an Italian Greyhound or a Chihuahua or like other bre- other toy breeds mm-hmm. that like a good wind will just knock them over and break them. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not these guys. Yeah. But they're also not overdone in some cases. Like they don't have tons of coat. They don't have tons of health issues. Mm-hmm. They have your typical little dog health issues like luxating patellas and stuff like that. Yeah. But whatever. All, all breeds have health issues and health concerns and even... It's just a matter of basically picking which one yeah. you're most comfortable with, to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, swinging the door back in this particular direction, I mean, I don't think it would be too much of a transition no. from what we already have with, you know, Penny and Kemper. Mm-hmm. So, I'd, you know, yeah, why not? Yeah. And I would have... If someone were to say, okay, you have to have a wire-haired and you have to have a smooth, what colors would you do? I would have a black and tan Mm wire-haired. I just think when they're black and tan and the tan beard on them, it just looks so striking on them. In case you're wondering, Ashley's looking up as if she's shopping for one right Mm -hmm. now. And I would have a red smooth. Mm -hmm. I just think they... The way that the reds look as smooth, they look awesome. Um, and I think a few years ago, maybe 2018 or 2019, mm-hmm. I can't remember, mm-hmm. or maybe even 2017, the years are combining together. Oh, 2020 stands out a lot. Yeah. There, there was a Brussels Griffon that ended up winning Best in Show... Mm-hmm. At the National Dog Show in Philadelphia. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yep. So you would have one too. Yeah. Like to to me, they seem like. It's I, again for me. It's just not that big of a leap. Like they would be like the perfect retirement dog. So if anybody like <laughs> is of retirement age and they're like, oh, we've been told to get a dog, da, 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 but we don't want one that'll break. Like we don't want, like. We don't want a big dog that'll be too much, but we want a sturdy little dog. This is it. Yeah. This is like... If you have a lifestyle where you're not in the house a lot and can't spend a lot of time with it, i.e. one of a former uh, supervisor of mine, get a fucking cat. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, because leaving a dog alone at home is not a good idea. Well, and well, leaving a dog at home for long periods of time Extended unattended. Of yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, but with any interaction. Yeah, and with this breed, you know, all toy breeds are bred to be companions. Yeah. So, yes, it's it's bred from a working dog, mm-hmm. but they're also bred to be companions. They want to be with you. Mm-hmm. That's the whole soul point and purpose of a lot of the toy breeds and this one's no different so if you're not going to be present and be able to give it the attention and love and support that it needs then maybe this isn't for you this is not the breed for you um and i think one thing that really kind of drew me to this breed if i were to get one Mm -hmm. is i am not fond of little yippy dogs (laughs) no you're not and they just it's just not my speed I don't like the yip. The yip is annoying. I would like something that has a little bit more of a musical quality to it. Yeah, you need uh, you. You're 
particular style is you need some dog with some weight, some substance. Mm -hmm. Something that is actually would be a little bit bigger and is not able to occupy a shoebox if it doesn't want to. Yeah. It has to be at least occupy a, a, a 30, 32-inch crate. <laughs> but this little dog, I honestly think that would fit in well with our lifestyle and mm. the needs that we put of our dogs to be versatile and hardy little dogs. I think this would this would fit our, our lifestyle to a T. Mm. And they're also not very yippy. No. Which is like a huge plus for me because a lot of the you know, when people say, Oh well I want a little dog that's not that's not very loud and is good with kids and da 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 I'm like, Well then you don't want a fucking little dog <laughs> Because a lot of little dogs can get really mouthy, can have bite inhibition issues mm -hmm can be really loud, really, like, yippy and annoying and all that. Yeah. This breed is not. They're just, they're cool little dogs. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want one. <laughs> I kind of do. I, I think at some point there will be a Brussels Griffon if the right one comes along. Well, you said that about a German Shepherd. Look where we are now. I know, but there's a difference. When I said that I wanted a German Shepherd, I had bloodlines and breeders in mind and all of that stuff but with this it's just one of those things where oh i think it would be nice to have down the line down the road yeah it's not a it's going to happen within the next year or two sort of deal it's a not uh, an immediate thing yeah like like i said it's an ideal like retirement dog for someone that you know wants to travel i mean these are the type of dogs that you can actually put into like a travel carrier and stay under your seat in an airplane mm. kind of dogs. Yeah. So I, I think in terms of a little toy dog, they're just about as perfect as it can be. Yeah. But again, do your homework, do your do research. research, do everything that you can to learn about this breed if you think it fits your lifestyle, not the other way around. The dog yeah. should not fit your the dog okay you and the dog should have equal lifestyles that fit one another right you should not force a dog to fit your lifestyle yeah. you should fit theirs well it's very much like and i've equated this in the past it's like training to have a small child with, mm -hmm. su with subtle differences you mm -hmm. cannot put a child in the crate. I mean, you can, but child services would get called on you. Unless they enjoy it, well, and that's on them. Well, still, I mean, beside the point, we're not condoning crating a child. Um, if you can crate a dog, mm -hmm. okay, I mean, you can, you, I mean, this is something, this is a responsibility you're taking on. You mm -hmm. have the care of another life form in your hands, which many years ago someone who I'm not speaking to anymore would find laughable which mm -hmm. I'm giving them the middle finger right now the asshole in any event this is a responsibility mm -hmm. and as such this is something that you are taking on and this is going to alter your life in some way shape or form you're going to have to take into account this particular new presence in your life mm -hmm. when you do things yeah you're going to have to Bear in mind that it has medical needs. Mm -hmm. It is not a fashion statement. It is not a cute thing to post on Instagram or funny videos to have on TikTok. It is 
definitely a toy breed that for those that are devoted to it they say there's nothing better yeah and I totally understand where they're coming from uh, I really 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 like the look of them they're just mm-hmm. they're fun little dogs and oddly enough even though they come from dogs that look like affin pinchers mm-hmm. I'm not fond of affin pinchers in general I like Brussels Griffons more than I like affin pinchers cognitive, cognitive dissonance rears its head uh, that's very interesting I, like I can't that. explain it. I just like Brussels Griffons better. It's like saying, me saying, and this is probably going to stun some folk, but I don't like mac and cheese, but I love spaghetti. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love like like penne and rotini and things like that, but I can't stand mac and cheese. It's mostly the cheese, honestly. Yeah. Plus, you can't stand ketchup with mac and cheese, so that's just not going to Yeah. Blasphemy. It's probably the only way I'll eat it, so I just don't eat it. Don't. Okay, so if we're, if we're running our tallies right then, that means both of us would have this dog? I would have to concur with that, yes. Cool. Yeah. All right, check. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, did you keep a record of whether or not we... No. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I really didn't. When we agree, don't agree, that sort of thing. Yeah. So please rate, review, subscribe, recommend, all that jazz. Do whatever you need to. Word of mouth can be beneficial, but the metrics are equally yeah. beneficial. Um, Twitter, at aboutadog1. Uh, Instagram, at aboutadogpod. The email, you know, for questions, corrections, things of that nature. Sponsorship opportunities. Be kind. Uh, yes. Aboutadogpod at gmail.com. The rest of social media, Ashley. Facebook, at aboutadogpod. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of con- finding us. That's where you can find us for the podcast. Any type of correspondence or reaching out to Ashley or myself, which that hasn't happened yet, but I'm just going to throw it out there, directly about the podcast is going to be ignored. Unless, unless you were already friends of ours previously. Okay. With that, I'd be like, sure, cool, you're awesome, bring it on. Yeah, but otherwise, just reach out to the podcast. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And also, if you want us to cover breeds, if you want us to do all of that, yeah. let us know. What do you yeah, What do you guys want? Yeah, what do you guys want to see? I mean, we're the ones talking here, but what do you want to hear? Yeah. You know, we're picking the breeds, but you, you can have a say in this. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Bring it on. Interactive multimedia at its finest. Yep. So, go hug your dog. They love you. Yep, yep. <laughs>